0: Pastor Calzi, if he would uh, take us to the throne of grace. Pastor Calzi, would you pray for us today? remain standing I'm not the only praises of your people. Let this aroma of worship be pleasing
1: unto you. My God can do anything yes anything let's just sing you are great miracles so great there is no one else like you For there is no one else like you for you are great Else for you are you you are great great, and you do miracles miracles so great, and there is no no one else like you. For there There is no one else else like you. Oh, I've sensed the presence of the Lord in this place. There is no one else like you. For we know lord there is no one else like you
0: lord we worship you tonight we glorify lord we inhabit the lord inhabit the praises of your people lord we stand in your presence lord we let you we're letting you speak God you speak <laughs> oh Lord have your way in this place God we're not in a hurry to We want to hear from you. (laughs) Oh, we worship and glorify and magnify the name of the Lord. (laughs) Oh, bless his holy name.
1: I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. (laughs) Oh, our Lord is our shield and our buckler. (laughs) Oh, we glorify him. Oh, we worship and magnify the name of the Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord, you're worthy to be praised. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, we worship you, Lord. For you are great. You do miracles so great, and there is no, no one else, else like you. Like you. <laughs> for there is no, no one else, else like you, you. for you, you are, are great. great. You, you do, do miracles so, so, great, so great, and there is no, no one else, else like you. And there is me. no one else like you.
0: Oh, do you believe there is no one like the Lord? There is no one like Jesus. The old songwriter said, No one can touch you like Jesus can.
1: <laughs> oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, we worship you.
0: Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we just wait on you. Have your way. <laughs> Have your way in this place, Holy Ghost. Oh, you're great, Lord, and
1: greatly to be praised. Well, Lord, we love you. Bless this holy name.
0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you remain standing, if you want to go in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, it'll be on your screen this evening if you don't have your Bibles. uh, Book of Matthew, chapter 16. While you're turning there, let me say, uh, Mm -hmm. as you're turning there, that couple housekeeping items and more so I guess. Um, I spent the majority of the afternoon back at the hospital today with uh, Jordy's family. Um, really no drastic change on uh, his front in terms of there's no surgery right now. Um, still not really any feeling in, in, in the lower extremities. Uh, around 30 I guess, 4 o'clock 430 today Uh, Brother Barnes's, Sister Barnes I'm sorry, Sister Barnes' brother went into surgery to repair that port and issues that they had he is in a lot of pain Uh, they weren't sure how the surgery would end up going but he came out uh, I got a text message about 10 minutes after 6, that's why when I wasn't playing on my phone when Brother Calsy was praying but I heard it go off or felt the vibration go off and i told both families i would have my phone on me just in case god forbid anything went south Uh, we would have prayer meeting and i'd I'd bounce back in the car Uh, but my text message was not to say oh pastor you need to come it's not looking good he said he's in a lot of pain but brother barnes and sister barnes daughter texted me and said "Buddy made it through Listen, you you can say it if you want to. We take every win we can get. We don't care how they come. We take them. Look, I'm a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. Ugly wins still a win for us. We take a win any way we can get it. Look, I no, we ain't beggars. We just take a win any way we get it. (laughs) And uh, in this situation, we just needed the win. (laughs) But uh, anyway, uh, all joking aside, um, there's still a lot of prayers that need to be offered up for all these families. Um, but you know the Bible says he who begins a good work is faithful to complete it. So if he brought him out of surgery, they can bring him on out of home, bring him on home, let him go home and if he brought brother David through his surgery last night and he can restore feeling to those legs. I mean he who starts it can finish the job and that's the heartbeat of, of the church. Uh, and so um, uh, so anyway, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you need to restart that, uh, Sister Tana, just shut it down and, you know, just exit out our pro presenter and come back. That's fine. Uh, I think we, I've got a frozen uh, remote that I can't move. So Matthew chapter 16, we're going to have to go old school. You're going to have to actually read your Bibles. I know. It's a shocker, isn't it? That's devastating. You actually use your Bible? I know. Hard hard to say. Um, it may be we you just have to go to the icon, right-click it, and just force shut it down. I don't know how it will do it. Um, But it looks pretty on that screen, though it's frozen. I started a message um, last week, uh, and I'm going to continue that message. But I'm going to pick up back at verse 13, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, that ain't what I asked y'all. He said, who do you now say that I am? Simon Peter answered this question. Got to love Peter. Man, Peter is just, he's just on top of the game, isn't he? And uh, Peter said, well, Jesus, you are Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus said unto him, well, blessed are you, Peter. Good job, buddy. But you didn't know this on your own volition and free will. Simon of bar because flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which was in heaven, and I say to you, you will be called Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus charged his disciples that they should tell no one. I want to continue the thought today on who's asking who. See, in this Bible story, Jesus is asking a couple questions. Now, it seems like we're the ones that are always asking God for something Lord, will you heal legs? Lord, will you bring through surgery? Lord, will you bless our church? Lord, will you give me good health? Lord, will you help me get over this sickness? Lord, will you, whatever. What happens when the roles reverse? And Jesus starts asking the questions instead. Because when Jesus asks the questions, he already knows the answer. So it's not like he really needs you to get the answer, quote, right. He knows the answer. He just wants to know if you know the answer to the question. See, Peter didn't. Before we pray, Jesus didn't need Peter to tell him he was the son of the living God. He already kind of knew that out. (laughs) That wasn't like something he didn't already know. He wanted to know if Peter and those disciples who had walked with him those many days, those many long arduous journeys and those years, did they know who he was? Because anybody can follow a circus. Hello? If a circus comes to town, they sell out. Anybody can follow a traveling circus. But Jesus wasn't interested in us traveling, circus. because he was interested in transformational living. He didn't want you to come by and get a little feel-good and be like, Ooh, that was so much fun, can't wait till next year. He wanted to change your life when you met him. So what happens? Who's asking who? Father, will you bless the reading of this word? Help us not only to be hearers, uh, Lord, but doers of this word this evening. Will you lead, guide, and protect us? And open our eyes, hearts, and ears to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So who's asking who? You know, growing up as a kid, uh, I shared with you last week that the one thing that I hated more than anything else is when my parents decided to give me lectures. I would rather you just beat me. Just get it over with. Take your belt off. Just wear me out. And then let's move on about our life. Let's just stop talking about it. My parents, uh, you know, they, my mom was pretty good about that. My dad was a little more of a lecturer. But I always hated rhetorical questions. Even though they weren't really rhetorical to me, you know, they seemed my parents would teach me very quickly that some, some questions didn't need an answer. I may ask a question, but I didn't really want you to answer the question. Like for an example, like they would ask me questions like, son, do you know what you did wrong? Well, if I, I probably wouldn't be getting a beating if I did. So, uh, and if I did do it, I probably know now why I'm getting the beating. So, uh, it's kind of a dumb question to be asking me here. And, We'd start, you know, they'd go through that thing. But they'd ask these questions. And I would say sometimes, you know, I'd ask a question and they'd ask the question back. I hated that more than anything else. If I ask you a question, not now, but as a kid, when I asked them a question, I didn't want a question back. Like, Mom, can I borrow 20 bucks? Son, do you have a job? That was a dumb response, Mom. I know I don't have a job. But I want to borrow 20 bucks. To which well, I'd say, Hey, Mom, can I borrow 20 bucks? And she'd be like, You planning on paying it back? Well, obviously if I had 20 bucks, I wouldn't be borrowing it. Now would I? So I need the money. My mom would ask those kind of rhetorical questions. And it used to drive me nuts. Like, why would you ask me that? But then I began to think, when putting this message together, I began to think, what happens when Jesus asks the questions, though? See, oftentimes we go to the Lord with our petition. I call it the laundry list of requests. We just start having, you know, Diary of the mouth. We just start giving God this laundry list. Lord I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want, I need, I want, I need, I want, I want. want." Amen. That's our prayer. And sometimes I wonder if God goes "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then right when He's getting ready to say something we go amen and He's like wait I didn't even get to say anything in this conversation. See prayer is not designed to be a monologue. See in theater I used to love acting. Uh, I love doing that. I love doing productions. I love being an actor. I Always thought that'd be a cool job to do one day, being big, you know, act, being a big actor and you know do all these cool, cool uh, events and things like that. In theater, uh, especially in operas and 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 plays, if you will, oftentimes at some point in the, the production, there would be a main character that would come out all by themselves and would offer what is known as a monologue. A monologue simply mono one means he's the only person or she is the only person talking in this moment. That's the only person. They're having a conversation with themselves or with the stars or with the audience. Nobody else. They ain't carrying on a conversation. This ain't a schizophrenic moment. They're just talking a monologue. They're sharing, you know, their story. A lot of times when you watch Shakespearean plays and things like that, oftentimes before the play, whether it's Romeo and Juliet, Taming of the Shrew, Hamlet, any of those. The opening prologue, if you will, is a monologue where someone comes out and they kind of tell you, today our story begins, and blah, 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 blah. And, and then all of a sudden the play starts. That was the monologue they just told you. Prayer was never designed to be a monologue system. We treat prayer that way sometimes. We treat prayer as, dear Lord, before God can even say yes, we're already giving Him our answer. Dear Lord, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. In Jesus' name, amen. And the conversation is over. For an example, how many of you, I don't want you to raise your hand because I want you to incriminate yourself, but how many of you would love when someone called you on the house phone or the cell phone, some of y'all probably don't have house phones, y'all just use cell phones, uh, but called you on the phone, as soon as you picked up the phone, Miss Brenda, and said hello, they said, oh, hey, Brenda, how you doing? I and mean, they just went off, off, and went on, tell you everything and said, all right, it was good talking to you, Brenda. Good, I, I hope you have a good day. Bye, click. And you ain't even said nothing yet. What a, what a wonderful conversation that was, don't you think? You're probably going to look down at the phone and be like, well, it was good talking to you, too, even though they're not there no more. Because it was over. It was done. It was like, why'd you call me if you didn't want to talk to me? That used to burn me up. I used to tell my parents that all the time. If you call me and don't. Say nothing. Don't call. If, you have, if you're calling me, I, I expect a conversation. If you call me and be like, hey, I just want to let you know, blah, 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 but I got to go back. If you didn't have enough time to respond, let me respond back. Just don't even call. Send me a text message. Just don't even call. That's, that's almost like just, that's almost like at putting a kid out at Christmas and telling them that the gifts are going to be there, and then when Christmas wakes up, be like, oh, I forgot to you know, put them out. Like, that's just, that's just torture. You don't do that to people. For people like me, don't call me and hang up the phone, don't even let me say hello back. That's torture to people like me. I've been waiting all day to talk to somebody. Answer the phone. Let's talk. But the reality of it is that's how we do prayer. Prayer was designed to be what is known as a dialogue. In a dialogue in theater, one person will start the conversation, Brother Larry, but there comes a certain point in the conversation that player number one stops talking. And player number two gets a moment to talk. I'm just going to let y'all, I, look, I've only been married two and a half weeks now, and I've already got, I've already, I've started marriage, I've already figured out a lot of golden nuggets in marriage. I have. One of them is, now this hasn't happened to us, I just have learned this quickly by observing other people and, and then practicing it and see what happens in our own marriage, but one of the ways to really, really just put some tension in the room is to tell your spouse everything you want them to do, but don't ever let them have an opportunity to respond back to you. That will... That will not go well. You walk in the house and say, hey, where's my dinner? I'm hungry, blah, 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 blah. And then you walk out the door. That, that's not going to go well. There's got to be conversation. You go home. I don't want you to do this because I don't want to be having to do marriage counseling for the next month. But you go home this week and you, you just tell your spouse everything. And every time they talk to you, you just walk out. Don't let them say nothing to you back. See how well that goes for you. Now, some of y'all might like that because you didn't hear your spouse talk back to you. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a cold day for you the rest of the week. I'm just going to let you know. You might not want to eat their food because it's got arsenic in it. They're going to poison you. I'm just telling you. You're going to die. I know I hate to tell you, but they, they're going to lace you. I don't know it what antifreeze is going to be in your water. Something's going to happen to you. I'm telling you. You think Fido just mysteriously went vanishing out the backyard. That was a test run to see if it would work on you. That's how that stuff works. It's designed to be a dialogue. We treat with our spouses. We know we are to have conversation or be conversationalists with one another in marriages. We do it with our children. We do it with with our coworkers. We do it with our boss. It's a dialogue. Why is it that we don't think God and our relationship with God should be the same? There comes a point. We can start out, Dear Lord, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want. But before we hang up the phone and disconnect the line, that old prayer line, that royal telephone. Before we disconnect the line, there comes a point. Uh, Brother Larry that we should stop for a second before we disconnect and say "All right, God is there anything you need to say? Because sometimes God has some things he'd like to get in the conversation if we would shut up long enough to let him talk some people just won't stop talking to let the Lord talk back see we in the church world we used to call that tarrying people don't like that word anymore Tarrying was this, I come up to the altar, I tell the Lord everything I have going on in my life, and then I wait until He decides to talk back to me. If it takes five minutes, if it takes five seconds, if it takes 50 minutes, I'm going to stay there until God says something back because I'm not leaving. It was like the, the memory of the story of Jacob. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. People come to the altar, we call it tarrying in the old days. We'd pray, and then we waited. It didn't matter if it was how long it was going to be. We wanted to make sure God had an opportunity to speak to our situation. But the reality is, is what if when we have these moments, Lord, will you bless this? Or Lord, will you do this? Or Lord, will you grant this? Or Lord, will you make this happen? What if the response instead of is yes? What if the response instead of getting no? What if the response instead of even getting a maybe or wait? What if the response was a question back to you? Could you answer the question? Because when we pray, we like the answers to be yes a lot of times, or if it's like something bad, we want the answer to be no, Lord, don't let it happen, we don't really, may if we get the, the answer maybe, or we feel like in our spirit the answer is maybe, we don't like it, but at least it's kind of close to yes, if we get the answer, you're just going to have to stand still and wait, we don't like that one, because we don't like waiting, I mean, we don't even like waiting for dinner to be ready, much less waiting on the Lord, we're we're seeing if Uncle Ben's can make us a whole meal in the microwave in five minutes But instead of Grandmama battering a cube steak by herself in the kitchen with flour. Like we don't want to wait on stuff. I'm just going to let you know, Grandmama's fried chicken I and mean, Grandma's fr- uh, fried cube steak is going to taste better than Uncle Ben's if you just let her work out in the kitchen with that flour. It may take longer, but it will taste better. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. That's just free of charge. You can be fat and happy how you want to, but I'm just telling you, it'll taste better. The more grease, the better it tastes. When it has a film across the top, you eat that pot. If it looks like it has no film, that pot ain't worth eating. Just don't even touch that pot. That pot's been blanched, and 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 they've not put a bouillon cube in that. They've not put a piece of ham, fatback, bacon. That person's wanting to die early. They, that's just what they want to do. They don't even want to live life and enjoy it. They just want to live to a hundred and be miserable. If it's got a oily substance on the top and it's floating, you should eat that because you gonna that's the that's the one gonna get you to heaven. That's the one pot you eat out of. I'm just telling you. I've been to too many church homecomings. That's the one you eat from. But the reality of it is we don't like to wait on things. Throughout Jesus' ministry, there are many times before Jesus ever did the miracle, he asked a question to see if someone was going to answer. Last week I started by telling you about a world-famous scientist who somebody asked him why he became a world famous scientist and what made him become that and he said well when I was a kid my mother when she would I'd come home from school she never really asked me about my daily activities she would always ask me did you ask any good question today or any good questions today basically what did you learn and so he said asking good questions made me become the scientist that I am today always wanting to find the answer to the uncertain problem and I told you that asking the right questions will lead to uh, uh, learning and is essential to learning and asking questions will be beneficial to us. I started out with a story out of John chapter 5 at a place called the Pool of Bethesda. I told you a man who had been lame on his feet for 38 years and he was at the Pool of Bethesda with the five porticos or five porches and the number five represented grace and the grace of God and and how that when Jesus walked in he not only brought mercy but he brought grace with that moment and he brought life in that moment And, and Jesus... I mean, the man's been lame for 38 years. He's been in the same condition 38 years. The waters have been troubled by the angel. This man had been going to church for 38 years. He had been in Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal services 38 years. He had heard the best southern gospel music in 38 years. He had heard good preaching in 38 years. He had been to the altar for 38 years. But it seemed like somebody else always got a blessing before he did. He was miserable. The Bible says that when Jesus gets there, Jesus almost asks an insulting question to the man. Man's telling him his whole sad story. Instead of Jesus being like, well, man, you know, I'll help you out. Here's a few bucks. Or the next time the angel troubles the waters. You know, Jesus goes, do you want to be well? I can only imagine the trajectory. The change of uh, facial expression on this man's face. I just told you for 38 years I've been trying the same thing. I've been going to church. I've been going to Sunday school. I've been going to Wednesday night Bible study. I've been going to Southern Gospel concerts. I've been going to listen to every preacher that's ever said that they had a word from the Lord. I've been following every television evangelist since the coming of the Lord. I've done everything I can. What do you mean do I want to be well? Do you think I'd be doing this for fun? I'm not doing this for fun. I'm doing this because I want to be well. The man says of course. I mean that would be the right answer. Then Jesus says to him, we'll we'll get up and go home. Now I can imagine again this man sitting there thinking, okay, look, I know you, I know your name's Jesus and we've had this conversation. But let me explain to you, sir. I've been telling you I have been crawling on my belly trying to get in the water because I can't walk. I've also been trying to tell you that I want to get better. And your solution is not to take me to the doctor, to orthopedic surgeon and let him break my legs or do something or straighten it out, give me prosthesis or something. Your solution is for me to just get myself up. If I could have got myself up, I'd have done done that a long time ago. I wouldn't have been sitting here thirty-eight years if I could walk. I mean, that makes common sense. Jesus said, "Do you want to get well?" Well, yeah, I want to get well. Then get up. The man said, "By faith." He Jesus got him by the hand and he stood up. And when he began, when he began, not not immediately, but when he began to stand up, that he regained feeling in his legs. But it took a step of faith first. He had to make progress. He had to move himself out of one situation to another. He had to get up from his comfort zone he had to get up from his bed of affliction he had to get up from what became his normalcy he had to get outside of his out of the box if you will outside of his comfort zone and when he made an effort brother James once he just made an effort Jesus took care of the rest all Jesus needed to know is will you just make a little bit of effort can I tell you tonight I can't tell you how the world's going to shape up other than that Jesus is coming back one day but I can tell you this no matter what you've been praying for if it's been five minutes five days five weeks, five months, five years or 50 years. If you just keep trusting the Lord there will come a point Jesus will come by and ask you do you want what I have to offer you and if you just will and even if you can't get the answer completely right and get it if you'll just make an effort Jesus will grab you by the hand and he'll restore all that life that you need back inside of you and he'll do exactly what he said he would do for you in that moment. Then I told you that Jesus in Mark chapter 6 is a given a problem. This little boy shows up, there's 5,000 men plus women and children, so somewhere between fifteen to 20,000 people in Mark chapter number 6 that are hungry. Jesus said, I can't send them home, it's getting late, I can't send them home without anything to eat. Philip, Andrew, some of the guys said, Jesus, they, we don't care if we put all our, wage, our yearly salaries together, our wages, we couldn't buy enough fish and bread to feed these people. There ain't enough we couldn't even go to the Bimbo Bakery or the Sara Lee Bakery outlet and get enough bread for these people. If we rode up into McDonald's and told them we needed fish sandwiches for 20,000 people, they'd close the doors and say they're out of business and wouldn't even serve us. They, this is impossible, Jesus. Jesus poses a question. I bet nobody can guess what the question was. It's on the screen, guys. Come on. I gave you the answer. It's right there. Come on, guys. I mean, it's like a teacher saying this is an open book test and you still fail. It's an open book test. The answer's in the book. I mean, how do you fail that? An open book test, you get a 30. I mean, did you not know how to use the book? God, you didn't have to answer that out loud. My Lord. I know I'm preaching conviction, but you didn't have to confirm it right now. But the reality was, Jesus said, okay. Well, what do you have? Well, I got five loaves of bread and two fish. Wow, so we're going to make about four and a half sandwiches, and the rest of these 20,000 people are going to be real mad when four people get to eat today. Jesus, I tell you what, just give me what you have. I tell you what happened. He starts breaking it. They go off, comes back, breaking it. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure James is going off with his piece, and Peter's going off, and James comes back. Jesus already sent some others that side of the, you know, because he had them sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. Sent them out. James comes back and he's like but look, if I've already got a piece, Peter's already got a piece, John's already got a piece, Andrew's already got a piece, Bartholomew's already got a piece, you know, J- uh, Judas's got, if everybody's already got a piece, by the time I come back, Jesus ain't going to have anything left to give me. Anybody ever felt like sometimes that there's no way Jesus has anything left in the tank to give you because you you feel like you've exhausted all he's ever given you and you don't feel like there's nothing else left in the tank. You James is thinking, Peter's thinking, all these guys are thinking, when I go back to Jesus, when I come back to this well, Brother Larry, there's going to be nothing. I'm going to get nothing. I'm going to come back to the same church service. I'm going to come back. To to the same Sunday school class I'm gonna come back to the same Wednesday night Bible study and I'm gonna leave the same dry I have the same destitute same same hungry same barren broken person that I am because I'm I'm all I'm all give out I got nothing else I've given all my bread out I've I've shared with all my people I got nothing left to give except the only problem is when they came back to Jesus Jesus is still breaking bread <laughs> he's still passing out and they're like well, how is that possible Look, I I, there's twelve of us I know there ain't no way that five loaves are how's that about I, I'm gonna just take the piece I'm gonna go back and use this group and they start passing out probably thinking to themselves there is no way when I get back over there he gonna have any more bread to offer me they come back just waiting to be like oh God I got to go tell the other 400 and something people in my group they ain't gonna get no food they come back to Jesus you say hey you need some more bread here have some more they go to this group they start doing it again and they're thinking oh God okay now I got 350 people gonna be mad at me now they come back to Jesus and I said I, and, I, and they see that bread and Jesus says, hey, you want want some more and I, I know they didn't know the scripture but for all of us that are in the body of Christ tonight, I, I, I just want to share with you, I know that I'm, you know, I'm exhausted in three shades of the wind, but I feel good right about now. I'm going to keep preaching for a minute. But the Bible says that God will never see the righteous forsaken nor his seed ever having to beg for bread. It doesn't matter how many times you come back to Jesus, he'll keep breaking off the loaf and he'll keep passing. He said, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of li- I'm the, 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 the river of living water and the bread of life. He who is thirsty let him come after me. He who is hungry let him come and taste of me. Oh, taste See that the Lord he is good I don't care what you need in this house today you keep coming back to every church service you can keep going to every prayer meeting you can keep going to every Bible study you can because I'm telling you it doesn't ever run out the bread of life will always have more than enough to get you what you need in your life he doesn't run out Bible said my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus he never runs out famine is a word Jesus doesn't know every time he walks into the room he changes famine into a feast like that he takes nothing and makes something he takes natural puts super with it makes it supernatural when Jesus walks into a room and it's famine he says hey how about we have a buffet let's have a banquet I'll provide for everybody from, feast to, from famine to feast but then we are posed with a guy in Luke chapter 8 I'm going to spend just a few moments here in Luke chapter 8 Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 22, the disciples are put in a tragic situation. Jesus says to them, I'm tired. Boy, I can feel like Jesus like that. I feel like, like oh, Jesus, I felt that. I'm tired. He said, but let us go over to the other side. Don't miss what Jesus said. See, sometimes we get caught up in the in the uh, the details. You know, and we we look at all stuff that we don't pay attention to the fine print. One of the things I'm just going to give you another preach of practical wisdom. Anything you buy, anytime you buy something, I don't care if it's a car, I don't care if it's a refrigerator, I don't, I don't care if it's a it's a you know a painting from an art gallery. Read the fine print. Cause that's the part where they don't want you to really pay attention to because that's when it's like this is counterfeit this came from china this is not authentic and you paid authentic price for something from china it's in the fine print so you can't go back sue them because they're like well it's in like type four font but we did have it on there to save them now that being said jesus they're all saying jesus said, let us go over to the other side let us Go over to the other side. Think about halfway across the water. Storm shows up. Winds start. Waves. It's just getting nasty. Jesus is asleep. He's like, look, I've already preached a tent revival. I'm going to bed. I've been feeding 5,000 people. I've been blessing people left and right. Ministry is exhausting. It's expended all my energy. Y'all can do whatever you want to. Y'all can have all the chicken dinners y'all want to. I'm going to the office. I'm pulling out a cot. And I'm going to sleep. I mean, Call me in the morning, you know. Jesus is asleep. Disciples start freaking out. Water's coming in. We're We're going to die. die. We're going to die. But nobody listened to what Jesus said a while ago. Remember what he said in verse 22. Let us go over to the other side. Now before I even finish this story, let me just go ahead and just spoiler alert. If Jesus says, let us go to the other side, it don't matter what comes. You're going to get to the other side. So you can be worried, fearful, fretting, screaming, hollering, you know, losing your mind over it. But if Jesus said, let us, me and you, or us, me and the family of God, Jesus says we go going to the other side. It doesn't matter if the devil sends hell and high water, if he sends the most boisterous of winds, if he sends the most ginormous of waves, and it feels like you're going to capsize. If Jesus is on the boat with you, if he said we're going to the other side, he's not going to sink himself. He's going to make sure we get to the other side. The Bible says He was asleep. Now how can Jesus sleep in a storm? Because he knew the storm had to listen to him. See, we get too worried about things in life But if we really believe what we say that Jesus... Is the author and perfecter of our faith, and we really believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we really believe that he who begins a good work is faithful to complete it, and we really believe when we ask Jesus into our heart, he becomes Lord and Savior of our lives, then we can sleep in the middle of a storm. I, I remember an old Casting Crown song, it might have been Third Day actually, that came back when I was in a high school, They said, Lord, I'll praise you in this storm. It's sometimes it's not easy to do, but I'm telling you, sometimes in the middle of chaos, people don't understand it, but if you're a child of God, all hell can be going all against you, and you can lay down in the bed, and you can just pull. Those covers up, and you can sleep like a baby and just look like the most peaceful sleep. People are like, How can you sleep when all this is going on? Because I can't control it, but I've got my trust in a hand of a man that can steal the waters. I put my hand in the hand of a man who calms the sea. I don't have to worry, I don't have to fret. My God's never failed me yet. I've got confidence. My God's gonna see me through. No matter what comes my way, I know He's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll cut a path in a sea, he'll make an oasis in a desert, he'll put GPS navigation pro of uh, uh, stars in the sky if he has to to direct us where he's laying in a manger he'll put himself and string himself high above heaven and earth so that all the hillside around can see the lamb of god if i be lifted high and up, i'll draw all men into myself i come by to remind somebody tonight that all you got to do is remember if jesus said we're going we're going and if jesus is sleeping on the boat you just keep row row rowing your boat gently down the stream, because jesus is going to get us on the other side they wake him up. we are going to die. Jesus asks a question. He gets up there and he looks at the sea. I don't know if he had to rub his eyes or anything. I don't know what he did. Maybe he just was naturally a morning person. Maybe he just was, as soon as his eyes woke up, he was just like, good morning America. I don't know. Maybe he was not a morning person. I don't know. But he gets up and he says, peace be still. He stops it. He just calms the sea. Just stops. And then he turns and he asks a question. I'm not going to misquote it, so I'm going to read it to you because it's in verse 25 because I don't want you to misread it. And he said unto them, where is your faith? What an interesting question. You've seen me feed 5,000. You've seen me calm the raging seas. You've seen me make, you've seen me literally raise people from the dead. You've seen me open blinded eyes. You've seen me do a seemingly abundant, you've seen me do it all and you still don't believe. Where's your faith? You know I don't want to put us on the spot but many of us in this auditorium and many people in this world have seen God do the Miraculous. We've seen God heal people, we've seen God deliver people, we've seen God do the supernatural, and yet we still have moments of doubt when God, when things come our way, we still have moments where we don't believe God can do it. We don't believe it. We say we do, but if we really did believe it, we wouldn't be so worried because we know He said we're going to make it the other side. In fact the Bible says that even no matter how bad this world gets God's going to have a remnant so even if he takes me via death or he takes me via the trumpet one way or the other I'm not staying here long enough to worry about it so I still don't have to worry about it because this is not my final resting place. This is not my final home. I'm just a pilgrim traveling through and I'm going to a better place so it really doesn't matter. I'm going to leave here anyway. Where's our faith? Where's your faith? Falls asleep. Disciples are panicking. Everybody's losing their mind. They get to the other side, but isn't it just like the way life works after you see some of the greatest victories you're faced with another battle? Because if you go to the very next story, right after it, verse twenty-six, and they arrived in the country of the or Gadarenes, which is over near Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there he met a man of the city who was possessed by demons. Boy, you can't get much more challenging than this one. It's pretty bad that you're about to drown on the SSR Titanic in the Sea of Galilee. It's worse when you get off the boat and the first thing you meet coming off of you is some psychopath, maniac, demon-possessed, foaming-at-the-mouth creature that's ready to eat you alive. Might have should just stayed out in a boat in the sea. It was safer out there. At least you couldn't see what was coming at you. This man, foaming at the mouth and just possessed by demons, makes his way to Jesus. Now the demons, (laughs) the demons even ask Jesus a question. Now you know it's bad even when hell has to ask Jesus a question. (laughs) bad enough they ain't already figured out that he's going to win but it's even worse when they got to ask him Jesus can you do me a favor even the devil prays y'all that should just tell y'all something when the devil is asking a favor from God that should just go ahead and just if we ain't praying that should tell us something that even the devil prays sometimes what do you think that preacher the demons say look at it it's in the Bible demons say in verse 28 what do we have to do with you Jesus son of God I beseech you, torment me not. You can call it whatever you want to. That sounds like a prayer to me. Jesus, please don't let this happen to me. You ever pray, Jesus, don't let something happen, or Jesus, don't let me go through this, or Jesus, help me get through this? That sounds like a prayer to me. The demon's like, okay, God, we know who you are. You can stay with We didn't bother you. Don't come bother us. We're good. Like, don't torture us. Leave us alone. Jesus had commanded the unclean spirits not to reveal who he was. He was, this man was bound in fetters and chains. He had broken bonds and bands. I mean he had literally with his strength had just destroyed things. Jesus asked a question. Jesus looks back at this cyclops looking cross-eyed freak of a man standing there cut up with stones where he had taken the stones and gashed open his body and just looks like a a messed up sociopath. Looks like somebody should be in the state hospital somewhere. Jesus don't even argue with the man. He asks him a question. Man says, Why are you here? Jesus, don't bother us, Jesus, don't torture us. Jesus. Jesus said, What's your name? Wow. First of all, I wouldn't have been asking, I wouldn't have been carrying on a conversation with the guy at all. I'd have left. I we ain't gonna talk about this. I'm just leaving. You let some demon crazy dude come in here. We can pray all you want. I'll pray with you. But there comes a fine line like it better be the Lord. If not, I'm out. Like I'm just telling you all that. Like I don't play with demon people. They they kind of, they're different. <laughs> I've seen it happen before. I've seen people come in possessed. And, well that stuff will freak you out. You better roll. You know you're right with God in that moment. I'm just telling you that right now. You better not play with him. They will whip you behind. I'm reminded of that story with the seven sons of Sceva. They went out and and they thought they could be like Paul and cast out demons and they went out to some guy who was demon-possessed, and they were like, you in the name of, he said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but I don't know who in the world you are. The demons got out of them. People beat the snot out of them boys, let them run away naked and broken and embarrassed them. And was like, now what? Like, you don't mess with people like that. You don't, you don't play games with that. Jesus said, what's your name? Well, even the devil knew he better answer the question. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many but it gets better even the devil knows I ain't gonna win this battle so I might as well go ahead and ask for another favor he's going he's going for you know the devil is going for a home run here he's trying to go two for two he says I am leisure we are many and they beseeched him that he would not command them to go out into the deep and there nearby was a herd of swine feeding on the hillside and they asked him go back and read it they asked him to let them enter into, out of the man, enter into the pigs. Now that's pretty, that's got to be pretty low. You can't get much lower than going from a man to a pig. Now I know some women have called men that. I know there's a lot of men that have probably been referred to as a pig before. Maybe the way they snore. Sound like a pig. Maybe they look. At the belly. Like a pig? I don't know. But I have heard people call me called that before. Kind of low. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. You know where he ended up? Rock bottom. You know what he was? In a pig pen. <laughs> Feeding swine. That was pretty low for Jewish people. So even for the devil to be like, look, look, I, I'd just rather go hang out with the pigs than have to deal with you, Jesus. That's pretty low. And Jesus said, all right. Don't say something you don't mean. Be gone. Now, I don't know about you. You know, well, let me stop and take about a 30 second praise break here and tell you this. So when Bran and I first got married, Brand wants to start a zoo. That's not a joke, y'all. The zoo, you know, Z-O-O with animals. The zoo, y'all. Do I look like a caretaker of a zoo? I barely can take care of myself. You think I'm going to go out there and get horse manure out of somebody's shoe and beat it with a hammer and, Go scoop pieces out. I'm like, I told somebody the other day, I said, until they, if they start picking up mine, I'll pick up theirs. I mean, I feel like that's a fair trade off. I'm not going to go scoop theirs. They ain't coming to help me with mine. But the point to be made is this. She's like, oh, we should get an animals. Every animal we saw. We ride down the road, she saw a cow. Oh, we need some cows. Are you kidding me? Like, where am I going to put a cow in Cane Bay? Anybody know how that's going to work? We need bigger land. I was like, I don't need a cow. Yeah, we do. We need a cow. Oh, it is so cute. I was like, you know what cows do? They throw up and they eat that. That's nasty. Like, I do not I do not want to eat my cube steak tonight, get about halfway home, throw it back up, and eat it again. And be like, that tastes pretty good. No, I ain't doing that. That was nasty. That's what cows do. It's called chewing the cud. They bite it, kind of mix it around with some lava, get kind of nauseous, bring it back up, and then finish eating it. That is gross, and we want to have that as a pet. Are y'all nuts? And then, she said, we get the miniature cows. they like little dwarf horses. I was like, No. And then all of a sudden, her and one of my friends from Orangeburg came up with this great idea. We needed a baby pig. And I, I drew the line. I said, now, look, y'all are testing this too far. We ain't having no pig running around. She said, like, we can't leave it outside because of the cold weather and stuff like that, we can keep it clean and, and we can bathe it. I was like, wait, bathe it where? In my, in my shower? Ain't no pig getting in my shower getting a bath. Are you nuts? I ain't cleaning no pig in my shower. Somebody be moving and I'm paying the bills. So he got to go. Like, unless he's making money, he ain't staying. She's like, oh, think about all the kids and how much they would love. The I was like, well, then let their mom and daddy buy them a pig. I got to buy a pig for them. These pigs. I reminded of that when I was reading this story and putting this sermon together. I thought about that, and I thought to myself, I don't know if these were cute little pigs bouncing around on the hillside. Because if they were, Brianna would have been in that story. She'd have been like, don't mess with the pigs. I'm like, who, who cares? To me, that's, that's breakfast. That's bacon and sausage. Like if I if I had if I had a pig, I'm gonna name it porky. I mean that's what I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have me sausage and bacon. I ain't having no pig for a pet. I'm having it for nourishment for hard days. Who wants turkey sausage when I can have porky? I don't I don't need that, you know. I don't know if they were calm, cool, or collected. I don't know when the devil went into these pigs, what happened. But something changed in those pigs and they went running as fast as they can and literally committed, if you will, suicide. They just ran off the cliff and died. And I tell you, that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you if you're not careful. He wants to get enough and you, get enough of himself in your life. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The only thing the devil really wants to do is to kill you. That's all he's after. That's it. Let me quickly move on. When he sat on this hillside and he watched these pigs run down the aisle or run off this cliff. I don't know what went through the disciples' minds and all the people standing there watching but I'm going to tell you one thing that I thought of when I was reading this story that even the animals we've already seen the wind answer his call we have seen the waves answer his call we have seen mother nature with the torrential storm literally stop in her tracks and say hey the master has spoken you will stop Now we see animals, created beings, answering the bell, if you will, of his call. But the question never changed. But Jesus did not initiate the question. The devil initiated the question. What do you have to do with me, Jesus? Why are you torturing us? Leave us alone. See, that's what the devil wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that Jesus can't get us out of our situations. Just leave us alone. You don't need, Jesus ain't going to help you. You're just stuck in the situation you're in. No matter what you're going through, you're not going to get out. You're just stuck. That's a lie from hell. You're never stuck. God is bigger than whatever you're facing. No matter how bad it looks, whether it's a hospital OR room, whether it's a marriage, whether it is drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's messed up kids, whether it's whatever, there is no problem that's too big for God to handle. No matter what the devil tells you. And I thought to myself when finishing this story, Ms. Carol, you can make your way. I thought to myself when I was finishing this, this, and we'll pick up the other couple questions of Jesus next Sunday night. I thought of this. I thought of that the devil said, Jesus, don't torture me. Don't, don't mess with us. Just leave us alone. But oh, how sad of a reality it is. But there are probably people, maybe they're not demon possessed but maybe they're demon oppressed meaning the devil's not living in them but he's affecting their life and they're listening to it jesus i I, am not going to go to the altar and pray i'm not going to ask jesus to help me i just i'm I'm not going to bother jesus with this because the devil has convinced them to don't bother jesus don't mess with jesus don't bother him it's such a lie it's such a sad lie from hill that man could have forever been in his condition for the rest of his life he could have stood in the presence of jesus But if Jesus wasn't willing to ask a question in response, that man could have never been the same again. He might have just been stuck in that condition. How many people have come so close to the presence of God and maybe even stood in his presence and left the same way because they didn't answer his question? They didn't answer the question. Jesus could have easily right then, Brother Larry just said, be gone. Like that, but that's not what he did. Bible says when the devil said leave us alone brother James Jesus couldn't do that the compassion of him the grace in him the the mercy the the, the very nature of what makes Jesus Jesus he couldn't do it he had he was moved with compassion he couldn't leave that man in the same condition but he also knew that the man had to make a decision too Jesus wants to help everybody but he can't force you to pray he can't force you to come to the altar he can't force you to answer the question you got to make a decision if you want it to. He wants to, and he's got the ability. But do we want him to intervene? See, I said last week, a lot of people, they come and bring their problems to the Lord, but instead of leaving them there, take your burdens to the Lord, and then instead of leaving them there, they pick them up and take them back home with them. Jesus is like, I thought you brought them to me. Why'd you take them home? You leave it. You say, what is your name? Legion, for we are many. But if you have to do something, Jesus, to send us to the pigs, don't mess with us anymore. He said, okay, go. But here's where the story gets really interesting. The farmers of these pigs were mortified. The Bible said they saw them run off the cliff and just thought, oh, my God, there went my money. I just lost $50,000 right off the side of the cliff. How am I going to go back to town and tell my wife, honey, I just lost a $50,000 investment. What happened? My pigs committed suicide. How are you going to explain that to the wife? Explain that one to the wife. you mean pigs committed suicide? <laughs> They just took off running, fell in, the, fell in the ground. Like, I don't know how to explain to you. They just killed themselves. The people of the town got so mesmerized. I mean, mesmerized. That they couldn't believe this story of suicidal pigs. Go read it. Am I even still in the story? Couldn't believe it. They took off running to where the pigs jumped off the cliff. Like, yeah, I got to see this for myself. Brother Larry they did not find the pigs but what they did find is a changed man a man that used to be bound by chains now being changed by God because the Bible said when they got there there was a man sitting on those same rocks that had been cutting him up fully clothed in his right mind now I don't know how many of them went and asked him what his name was but you know what he could, what he could say it wasn't legion anymore it was redeemed now, he may not have said legion, but he could have said redeemed. The old song says, I'm redeemed by blood divine. Glory to Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed. A southern gospel artists took that song and kind of used it as, a, as a, a springboard and wrote the song, I am redeemed. Bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody should ask you just who I am, you tell them I am redeemed redeemed I went from legion to redeemed to changed man of course the people's like how did this happen and of course he tells them but I want to leave you with this before I pray it all started with the power of a question what's your name son anytime anybody gets saved I don't know if Jesus legitimately asked them this in their heart or not but med- but really honestly Metaphorically, we all have asked have been asked a question. When we bring our burdens to the Lord, especially as the times we got saved, we knelt before an altar and confessed we were a sinner. Reality, what we're confessing is what our name was. I'm a sinner. Hi, my name is I'm a liar, a cheater, I'm a drunk, I'm a whatever. We answer the question, who what I identify. You know what a name is? It's an identifier. It identifies who you are. See right now. If everybody in this room had a name, all I would have is male, 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 male. female, 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 that's all I, I, I would have no identifiers. It would just be a big, large group of people. But because you have a name, it's not just male and male, it's Randy. But that's not just Rand that's not just a male, that's Randy, but that's Robert. That's Dennis. That's Brother Jerry, and that's James, and that's Brother Robert, and that's... Valerians, Brantley that's Micah that's, but that's not just a female that's Miss Carol and that's Miss Brenda and that's Miss Alma and that's Ms. Seton, because your name is your identifier you get saved there's a new name written down in glory you're not what you used to be called you're now called by a new name so when you leave this place today I don't care what you're going through you make sure you always have this one question answered Jesus no matter what happens when He asks what is your name or even if the devil asks you what is your name it ain't Larry it ain't Jennifer it ain't Pastor it's not Brianna it's not no no it's redeemed it's redeemed what do you mean it's redeemed oh I used to be called a cheater I used to be called a liar I used to be called a sinner I used to be called a disgrace I used to be called embarrassed. I used to be called low self-esteem. I used to be called but when I met Jesus he asked me what my name was and I told him I have low self esteem I told him my name was a cheater I told him my name was a liar but oh when I met Jesus he took that and he just let that go right out the door and now there's a new name written down in glory and I've been clothed with a garment of praise for the spirit of happiness that I can lift up my voice to God I've traded my rags to riches I'm no longer a pauper but I'm a prince and a princess to the portals of glory what is your name I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb that's my name I belong to Jesus I'm redeemed I'm redeemed. Will you stand all over the house this evening? What is your name? Let us pray together tonight. I want to remember those requests of those I've already brought to your attention. Jordy's dad and sister Barnes's brother and many others. But I'm sure no doubt, whether it's in our church or whether it's in this facility, people that may watch this and stream this later or people that may even be here tonight online I am no doubt convinced that there's probably somebody who needed to be reminded today who you belong to and whose you belong to what do you do when your questions followed up by Jesus asking the questions. Because Sister Nina, what I have learned in just my short lifespan is when Jesus asks the questions, when they're answered properly, they change the whole trajectory of how that story finishes out. Jesus asks the questions, but once I answer it, it has direct correlation and implications on how the rest of the story going to play out if I say no to Jesus's questions it's going to have a different outcome than if I say yes to the call of God on my life if I answer Jesus's questions I don't really want to do this it's going to have a different outcome than if I say yes Lord here am I send me I'll go wherever you tell me to go It all is based on how I answer the question of God that He asks in my life. I don't know what your questions are. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've got some situations in my life. I've got some issues in my life, things that I'm going through. I don't know what the things you and God are wrestling with, but I want to encourage you in this prayer that you ask God to give you an illumination of what it is the questions He may be asking in response to you that you answer those questions rightly. Don't just have a conversation with God And then just say, amen. But you say, God, I need you to speak to me. You know what I have going on in my heart, but I need you to reveal to me what's going on in my life. And I'm telling you, if you answer that question right, the answer being the answer that it needs to be, God will forever change the story and the narrative of whatever you're facing. He will rewrite that story and change the ending to something you cannot even begin to think comprehend or explain one thing I love about stories is when you put a period at the end of a sentence that's a completed thought you move on to the next when it comes to our past Jesus puts a dot and he keeps writing because that's the past that's a completed thought we move on but in this journey of faith that we call Christianity Jesus a lot of times likes to use a lot of semicolons which means it's a pause in the thought, but he's still got more to say. Until you go home to be with Jesus, he's never actually finished putting the final dot at the end of the chapter. He's just putting a lot of semicolon saying, we're here, but we got more to write to this story. It ain't over till it's over. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do not know what every man, woman, boy, or girl standing under the sound of my voice may be facing today. It is not for me to know everything that they're going through because that lies solely in your possession but one thing I do know I know that I serve a God of the impossible a God that not only can do exceedingly abundantly above which I think or comprehend but a God who can do things I can't even begin to even fathom into existence or make happen in my own power I also serve a God who never slumbers, never sleeps on the job. Even if you're asleep in the story, like on the boat, you still have everything under control. You never know what's not. You've never been caught off guard or don't realize what's going on around you. So, Father, whatever is weighing heavy on the hearts of the people today, in-house, online, or someone streams us later this week. I pray you let this message speak to their heart. There is no other name they need to know than the name of Jesus. And Lord, help them answer the question according to your riches, according to your plans for their lives. Because based on how they answer the question has direct correlation on how their story ends and how you write the story. And Father, may you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts until we're able to come again from Bible study on Wednesday night or to service next Sunday morning. May you bless us, Lord, tonight. Let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and honor that's due to your name. Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray. The body of Christ together says amen. Before we pray the benedictory prayer, let me make mention of a couple things. Don't forget, we are still needing collections for items for Easter egg extravaganza. You can donate monetarily for us to go buy it. Or you can bring it. We need candy. We need individual bags of chips. We need like the little juice type boxes for kids. Um, or drinks for adults too, but, but mainly for kids. Uh, so we need juice boxes, we need candy, and we need um, uh, s- s- now those chips to go along with the, the pizza that the church will provide for everyone that day. We have inflatables, we have games, we have all kinds of stuff. We'll have egg hunts from the time they're born until they're 11. Once you turn 12, sorry, you get to just be old with us. and Just get to work. That's how it works. So don't forget that, also don't forget Senior Adult Retreat it's coming up in May, uh, I'll get more information as we go along, but in May we're will be going. we going to offer that again, uh, right now the cost is $35 a person for the early bird, the church will cover that, we're just asking you to help us cover your rooms, uh, based on how many go and how many stay in a room, uh, the more we take, the merrier, it would be a lot of fun, we have a good time, I'll take you to Krispy Kreme and we'll get donuts at like midnight, it's great, it's the best thing in the world uh, Nothing like a good hot now Krispy Kreme donut at 10 o'clock at night. It will change your life, just like Jesus. It changes your life. You know, you just pray a hedge of protection around that and just let that, let that, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, you only live once. Enjoy it while you're here. Uh, so, uh, if you won't, I will. Just give me the dozen and you just drink your little, you know, healthy milkshake or whatever you're going to drink. And I'll eat the donuts for you. Uh, but don't forget to sign up for that uh, as well. We're going to be doing that uh, likewise uh, for those that can go. Uh, All those sign-up sheets, informational items are in the Welcome Center vestibule area. Uh, If you go out, not the first doors, but the second doors out there. If you look to your left uh, where Jesus and His disciples are enjoying a nice meal, uh, you'll find all the Easter stuff. If you look at the table by the church office, you'll find out about, if you're 55 and older, having a good time type stuff uh, for all that. If you're under 55, please don't sign that sheet because you're not going. So 55 and older please um, uh, I only get to go because I pay so that's why I get to go because uh, I signed the check so that's how that works um, and uh, so uh, anyway make sure you sign up for that don't forget Wednesday night Bible study at 7 we also have services regular next week the Easter egg extravaganza is on April the 16th from 11 to 1 so please start sharing it's already on Facebook the event uh, you can go and follow it you can go to Safety Circle COG page and find it or under my page you can find it Uh, but share the event, invite people, tell them to come out, hang out with us, we'll have plenty of eggs and food, so we'll have a good time, so make sure you are aware of that, any other information you need to know, please uh, be mindful of that, Uh, next week we're going to be taking up an offering for the South uh, South Dakota Native American, I'll get it right, uh, Indian youth camp that we're helping with the Little Rock Holiness Church, Uh, they're going to do a big uh, youth camp for kids for that, and so we're going to give them a love offering to help kind of get them springboarded out there to sponsor those kids. Uh, so that'll be next Sunday morning. You'll get a text message about that. Any kids slash teenager interested in Church of God Youth Camp, we have the applications in uh, this year for Youth Camp. You get to go to Malden for a week, get to stay up there, get to be away from your parents and pretty much enjoy life without parental supervision. Uh, it's great. You don't go to bed till midnight, you wake up at 8 o'clock. It's kind of like going to boot camp but for church. It's great. And uh, But it's wonderful. It's exciting. If you go, I will go you don't go I'm not going uh, this is how it works I don't go for fun and uh, I'm too old for that uh, but if you want to go we've got the applications it's all out there on the bulletin board information about that and we can get y'all the information I think that's all the housekeeping items all the only reason I'm telling you that tonight is because this morning I didn't tell you because of the way service went so I want to make sure I did not forget you'll get from your connection team leaders text message this week with a lot of information please read the text message I know it's probably annoying, but it's really vital information. We don't try to just send you spam mail. We try to let you know what's going on. I don't want somebody to come back. Oh, Pastor, I didn't know anything about it. Did you read your message? No. But that's why you didn't know. We sent you a message. So, Make sure you do that. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to ask for Brother Urchberger to pray our benedictory prayer. Uh, after that, feel free to be dismissed. Can't wait to see you all on Wednesday night or next week. God bless you.